Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 30, yes 30, we've reached 30, uh, of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that this week is doubling up as Bengals fans group therapy. And here with me in the sewing room, it, well it's not much of a sewing room at the moment to be honest, but I'm still going to keep it <laughs> as the sewing room I think, is the uh, accident and emergency to my room, the horrendous to my injuries... The season to my offer cliff, it's Nathan Palmer, everybody. 30, episode 30, Paul. I mean, to me, that's that, that's not even a bad cricket score, 30. 30 you, not out, I'd take you, it. But even if you got out, the 30, it's like, well, you know, ticking a scoreboard over. Absolutely. I'm happy with that. That's good effort by us to get yeah, to 30, Yeah, it's a good it? positive start, because I tell you we what, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be that positive Mate, tonight. You've got to start with some energy, you know, lure everyone in. Because, I mean, we can't start negatively or we're going to be... Well, there is there is be... this problem. Uh, we had the meet-up in Sheffield over the weekend, uh, which obviously you didn't make. Which I, which I, I, I was the there, one. mate. I don't know what everyone was talking about. I was there in spirit. Oh, you were that weird bloke who get <laughs> getting it. his penis out in, yeah, the, yeah. in the bar and got <laughs> thrown it. out. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> Apologies for that, by the way. Uh, family duties called. No worries. Uh, these things do happen. I know Duncan had a tear in his eye. You were telling me. Yeah, he was. He was bawling. Duncan, uh, to be yeah. honest, the reason I didn't turn up was because of him. I thought. <laughs> I, do you know what I mean? I thought I heard, I've heard about him, and I thought I'm not. I'm not. Having that. I'm not exposing myself to. Oh, blimey! The you've, man you've, that just, is. you've just sent shockwaves through the entire Bengals UK <laughs> community with these comments. But um, yeah, uh, fair play, and thank you so much to everyone who turned up in Sheffield at the Red Deer. Uh, obviously, the result, uh, neither the result or the performance was what we wanted. But again, it was a great, great night. You know, people sounded like a cracker. People came from all over the shop again, and um, much beer was drank and much fun was had. Uh, so again, these meetups are fantastic, and we will be doing more. It's probably going to be the last one from Bengals UK this year, this calendar year. But who knows? We might make the playoffs, Nathan. <laughs> might right? <laughs> well, I think we've got to have that up our sleeve, haven't we? We've got to, got to, hundred um, percent. Where do you want to start? Because you know. Obviously, we lost to the Browns at home. It was as bad. I think it's the, probably the worst half-hour football we've had from the Bengals in about it's, five or six years. It's so I would funny say. with the Bengals because you, you you feel like there's always a new low set against <laughs> yeah. like the Saints when we uh, we were down there at Bengals UK meet up um, down at the Sports Bar and Grill. And I think for the first hour of that. The Saints were just relentlessly pounding us down. Yeah, yeah. And you just felt like, oh, this is one of the worst Bengals games, if not the worst I've ever seen. And then they go and top it three weeks later. Extraordinary. Well, it? I think why this, this this result and performance is worse is because, because exactly that. It wasn't the Saints. Yeah, it wasn't true, the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. It was the Browns. And now, oh, I know they're an improving team and they've lots, got lots of good players. Um, you know, and um, it, but still, they came out completely cold. The Browns came out really sharp and just absolutely razored us, basically. I think the most disappointing part of that is that it was at home. Yeah. It meant a lot. Yeah. We win that game and you're six and five, you're completely in the playoff hunt. You know, there's some real like, you know, ramifications from winning it. And I think the worst part about it was at the end, you know, we sort of made a sort of a bit of a half hearted comeback and Jeff Driscoll looked quite sharp. The Browns are give, like they're not, not giving up, but they knew it was done. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They they were up by four touchdowns at one point. And yeah, and yeah, there was a sneaky chance. Yeah. I have to let's start off with the positive. You have to give Jeff Driscoll a lot yeah, of credit. Actually. I thought he did really well. Did really well. I thought Auden Tate 
did really well. A couple of good catches, yeah. Um, and one that was almost one of the most sensational catches I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah, you know, yeah. Forget not being one-handed, you know, two-handed catch. So I think he proved that he could do it, although, you know, he's not a speedster. He's not a burner. He's never going to get any separation. That's his problem. He's got to almost rely on those catches. Absolutely. Um, but you know what? In sit- certain situations... He could be, you know, I'd take him over Cody Korf, to be yeah. honest. And Josh Malone, to be honest, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there were some positive things. They tightened up defensively in the second half. Yeah. But again, I think the Browns at that point were just a bit yeah. like, meh. You know, yeah. take some time off the clock, don't turn the ball over. Yeah. They were very much just in that sort of let's get the game over type situation. Let's just, mm. you know, move the clock, not make any mistakes. And that's to me like the Bengals, you go out there the first quarter and a half, that game was over. Yeah. And it's extraordinary against the Cleveland Browns at home. And 20 minutes into that game, in terms of game time, the game is over. It's done. You're down by three touchdowns. And yet we've kind of been there a little bit before with the Dolphins game earlier on the season. Yeah, that's true. what we were saying in the in the pub on, on Sunday. It's like, you know, remember the Dolphins game, you know, mm, yeah, if yeah. we can just... Um, but I went um, I went to Lou at halftime and I was queuing to get a, a drink at the bar and uh, Jack Lewis, whose birthday it was on oh, Sunday, oh, oh, one, oh. Of, one of our Happy attendees... Happy birthday, Jack. Happy birthday to you, Jack. Um, he was like... Oh, he never guessed what's happened. And I was like, what? And he said, well, Billy Price just snapped the ball over the head of Dalton. <laughs> Dalton's gone down with an injury. Oh, yeah, I know. And they've gone in and scored from the resulting turnover. And you're like, because oh. that's what you need. You needed the Bengal. <laughs> it was almost comical. It's like, really? Yeah, I know. Really? That's, they've just done that on well, a drive they had to kind of capitalise on. I know. You know, so... Um, it was all a bit sort of Keystone Cops-ish, wasn't it, really? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because we scored before the end of the half, and you kind of thought, all right, we're three touchdowns now, we get the ball at the start of the half, Mixon ripped off a 20-yarder, and you're like, oh, yeah. hang on, like, you know, have we got any chance in this? Yeah. And then that happened, and it was just, like, comical yeah. from the rest of the way on. But Absolutely. <sighs> yeah, it was shock, really. It was, and again, it's, and, and this is the eternal debate that's happening on Twitter now people are just using this as a stick to beat Marvin mm. now I'll ask you whether that's justified or not in a moment uh, people do seem to be forgetting the horrendous injuries that we've got Yeah, I mean I would say the poor form in the last 4, 5, 6 weeks is down 80% I think is down to injuries oh, I think that's high because, well because you can't go out there with 3rd, 4th, 5th string players yeah, in positions we haven't got any linebackers. Well, we have in name, but that's what the Browns did. They just targeted our weaknesses straight away. Yeah. We actually did an okay job against Nick Chubb. Yes, he scored a couple of touchdowns. Okay, that's fair enough. But, you know, you can't get any team with that amount of injuries would struggle in the NFL. Yeah. And we have obviously really struggled. But on the flip side of that, it has shone a light on a uh, complete lack of depth, which was we were always yeah. worried about. You know, it's happened before where, you know, if AJ Green goes down, that's kind of it. Yeah. And that just should not happen. Yeah. You need a number two to step up now. Tyler Boyd is great and has had a, had a great season. John Ross showed a little bit more again, but again, he I keep saying again, but he showed some good stuff at the weekend. But again, it's like... Why didn't he dive for that deep pass that Dalton 
overthrew yeah. by about a yard. He seemed to stop a little bit, and he also dropped a crucial yeah. pass on the comeback drive that wasn't. So we need more from John Ross. We need more from those guys, you know. And obviously, once I mean, linebackers just hasn't worked out. Vigil, yeah. who is a decent player, but he's not an amazing player, I don't think. Um, what happens when he's out? Yeah. What happens when Burfick's out? Well, what happens when Burfick's in as well? You yeah. know, um, he's been he's a real disappointment. Real it? disappointment. Um, so that chronic kind of lack of depth is really, really, and of mm. course you extrapolate that. And then start to talk about recruitment, which is a lot of people are doing. Why haven't we invested in the linebacking core? Why haven't we invested properly in the wide receiving group? Yeah. You know, why haven't we done this? Why, you know, when you have like, what is it? Are we five defeats in? I think maybe five we, out of the last six. Five out of the last six, you know. People are getting angry, yeah. quite naturally. People are fuming, aren't they? People are absolutely, I mean. <laughs> people are losing their nuts. Absolutely. So. You know, they they automatically want someone to blame. Yeah, I don't blame commitment or effort or application. I don't because no. I saw them, I saw them trying at the week, uh, on Sunday. But if you've got no confidence left, I don't know. I I think confidence. You've hit the nail on the head. I think that's where they have struggled a lot. And I think even coming into that game, there was a feeling at the start of the season where they won a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have done, that they lost the season before. And I think there was a lot of buzz on Twitter on Facebook and stuff saying you know this team's got energy they feel like they can win these games that are tight and you know, they, they did to be yeah, fair they came back against Miami like you said earlier that's a really good win a really the good Atlanta confidence Atlanta game booster. was incredible Atlanta as well exactly and there's some really even against Carolina they ran them close you know you got a good division win against Baltimore um, you know that win against the Colts now looks better and better on the road to start the season again it was a tight game they're playing terrific aren't they yeah so you look at that and you think to yourself there was confidence in that team yeah and I just think the last couple of weeks it's just been the negativity surrounding this team for the last month even in that Bucks game that we won there was a sense of you know we let them back into the game people were starting to get a bit nervy and jittery yeah. and not just the fans the team just looked shot yeah. It looks like it's that one, you know. It just it just feels like there's no positivity and energy. And you could see no. Dunlap. I think he had one a couple of good plays on Sunday, and he was sort of trying to get the team up, trying to sort of get pumped up. But there just feels like a real lack of energy on that team, and that that has to start with the coach. Yeah, no, I it agree. Has to. I agree. That's why I say I think it's eighty percent injuries and twenty percent coaching here, because they can't they can't get. You think that's a bit high for injuries? I'd say but 50, I really 50. do. I don't. I. The amount it's like 15, 16 people on IR, and then you add in people like a lot of those guys are like Josh Two. Yeah, but then you add in the, AJ Green multiple yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Darquez, Darquez, I can't even say it. Let alone think it. Darquez Denard, Darquez Denard. Um, he's he's been out for three, four games. Yeah, Mixon, you know, Mixon, Josh Malone, yeah, yeah. Bernard, all these guys. You know, yeah. you can probably add on like twenty players that have been. And at least ten of them are starters. Oh, I, I feel obviously, yeah. You know, and I feel, yeah. You know, it's a, these things are killers, absolute killers. And now Dalton's gone. Yeah, I think the the irony of it is that it's the offensive. Um, sorry, the injury side is far worse on the offensive side of the ball because I think AJ Green is so pivotal to that offense. And obviously, having mixing out a couple of those games is difficult. I thought obviously, you know, potential Pro Bowl tight end really offers you something. Even people like um, Tyler Croft, 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Would have stepped up, would have helped out Uzama. They could run two tight end sets. So, you know, even losing that is a real, like, tough blow to take. Billy Price missed a few games. Yeah. He's not been great either, but still he missed a few. I think they're the ones that have suffered more so than the defence. The defence, when you look at it, you still had your you know, your quote-unquote Pro Bowl players in there. You've had Geno Atkins in there. You've had William Jackson in there for the most part. You've had um, Carlos Dunlap in there. You've had Berth. I know Berth was suspended for the first bit of it, but he's played the last few games. And we've, with that, you know, when we've been at our worst. Mm. So to me, you know, Jesse Bates has played the whole season. The defence has got no excuses. And to me, they're the ones that really well, let I, us I, down I, the I, most. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. And we have been historically bad on defence. Yeah. Um, I blame that almost in its entirety on Terrell Austin just setting it all up wrong just setting it all up wrong they were confused they didn't know what the hell they were doing but then again Marvin the book's got to stop at Marvin this is the really difficult thing about this team loads of people are going nuts saying fire Marvin get Mm. him out it's time for a change and actually I agree with that Yeah, but not necessarily because of this game or the last three or four games he should have gone at the end of last season I think yeah you're probably right Um, and it pains me to say it because you know we both like Marvin but I've seen lots of things repeated again this year. The failure to plan properly and game plan for games. We've come out cold too many times in too many big out of games. Week, yeah. The clock and game management has been poor, especially mm. during that Pittsburgh game. Yeah, yeah. Um, these are all repeated year year in, year out. So I do think it's time for him to kind of you know to 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 go basically I, I take no pleasure in that at all yeah um but yeah i think i think i think it does the, the problem with the bengals is and people are going nuts about it on twitter is that oh when we get players back from injury we'll probably win a few games and that will probably save marvin's job when really the time is now to go I, i'm not sure about like an in-season head coaching change at the moment but mm. People want this team to tank, and I, I don't want them to tank. No, I've never been ugly. a fan of. It's horrible, you know. You ugly. want your team to try. Yeah, absolutely. Then you can have a go for not trying. Yeah. If, they, if they don't. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I do. I do think you know it's down to the head coach to get the team up, and if there's a lack of confidence to put a fire up their backsides, mm. uh, and rocket up them to kind of really, to really get them going again. Yeah. But you hoped against. Cleveland, a one, all it takes is an interception, a really good run, or get the yeah. cr- to get the crowd back into it and Definitely. feed off their energy. And by all accounts, there's been no energy at PBS. No, in the, certainly in the past month or so. No, uh, we're going to be talking to one of our very own Scott Gibb, who was there, who went out. Who's um, Scott? I'll pay, I'll pay you a flight home, mate. I feel bad for you. Son. Well, he's he's there for the Broncos game as well next well. week. So. Um, so we'll be talking to Scott a little bit later. Uh, we do have a special guest as well coming in about 10 minutes' time. But where do you stand on the Marvin Lewis thing? Because I think all the Marvin haters have come out in yeah. force and gone full rant mode. And I would argue that, as I say, 80% of this like disastrous form is down to injuries um, because you just cannot compete with like third, fourth, fifth string yeah. players in crucial positions. Mm. But again... I hate to I keep coming I'm going to make this point before I forget it again. The Bengals are never truly truly awful. They're bad sometimes, but they're not like, you know, 2 and 14. 2 and 14, yeah. not like they were in the north, um in the early 2000s or the late, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the mid 90s. But then they're never quite good enough. Yeah. 
to be amazing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's always very difficult to say, you know, fire the coach or or is it? I don't know. People carp on about this playoff thing. And I get it. Stephen A. Dickhead or whatever is like is like full <laughs> rant mode at the moment. Uh, my my work colleague Mo, who very much enjoyed his mention on the podcast last week, <laughs> is full of the Marvin Lewis's should go. What are you doing? Why are you Bengals fan? That kind of thing. Um, but I, I I do think he should go now. I mean, not what I say, not to say now, but perhaps at the end of the season. Um, but as I say, I think the injuries are such a huge mitigating factor in this run of disastrous form. Mm. Where, do, where do you stand on the old Marv? I've probably been one of his big, like you know, his staunchest defenders over the years. I think he's, you know, brought a lot of of good performances to the team, and you know, we've had some good years under him. He's built some teams that you know really could have gone on and won the Super Bowl. To be honest, I mean, you look at the Carson Palmer year, you look at the year Andy Dawn got hurt against Pittsburgh. Those two teams were Super Bowl caliber teams, um, and he's made the team relevant. And I think you know, over the last fifteen years. More often than not, actually, he's built teams that are above average and he's coached with limited resources. He's he's never gone out there and been aggressive in free agency. Um, They've only really had that sort of impact in the front office, you know, where it's not been completely Mike Brown in charge in the last five to eight years, I would say. So I think in difficult um, circumstances in a small market, he's actually done quite a good job, period. Mm. But I think that, like with anything, it's like anyone in their own job. I think when you've been in a job for a long time, when it's not just two, three, four, five years, when you've been in a job for a long time, it's difficult to get that excited and really have that vigour and the passion that you need to deliver. You might still be able to deliver a job and it might be okay, it might be acceptable, but just on the basis of length, I think... You know, when you're not performing well and, you know, Marvin's old now. I mean, you just got to look at him from an age. He's old. He's been around the block. He's had a good run. You need some fresh ideas. You need someone, a young guy that's got some passion and some vigor and some, um, you know, some real, like, he's going to kick people up the arse. And if it fails, it fails. He might not be the right thing. But I think it's just foolish not to try that now at this point. I just think, you know, the team's not been successful for the last two years. In fact, it's been pretty dreadful. I mean, it was pretty diabolical last year save those last two games of the season that kept him his job and you know despite a quite a good start to the season the last five six games even including that win in Tampa Bay have been pretty dreadful as well yeah and I think you know the whole fan base is alienated completely alienated and I think it doesn't help him he doesn't help himself in those press conferences and I, I think the team appreciates it because he stands up for them. He doesn't ever throw one under the bus. He never criticises the lack of effort. Apart from John Ross, obviously. Apart from John <laughs> Ross, yeah. But he stands by them, and I think they have a, a good level of respect for him. But I think ultimately he's not getting the best out of them, both yeah. from a scheme standpoint and from an effort standpoint, even if he thinks he is. And I honestly think, in a rare circumstance, if you polled a thousand Bengals fans and you said to them, do you want Marvin Lewis gone or do you want him to stay? I genuinely think you get a thousand people say you want him gone. I mean, I'm probably one of his staunchest defenders and I think he has to go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think so. I think it's you're right. It's just the, the, the train has come to the final station for Marvin it's Lewis. He's flown off the end of the tracks and it's in flames, mate, isn't it? Bloody hell. <laughs> And no one's putting the fire out. (laughs) We said that we were going to try and be positive, but we can't really. We can't. Um, Well, we can. We were were okay. Uh, But it just, you know, 
I say if there's reasons behind it, if there are injuries, it's easier to take, I think. But still, the way I mean the the way the Browns game plan is Greg bloody Williams for God's sake. Yeah, I mean that he out coached us. Yeah, and yeah, the new yeah. the new offensive coordinator who's getting rave reviews out coached us. Freddie Kitchens. That's right. Yeah, the Kitchens. Um, why? Just like we're getting out coached every single week. Yeah, I mean that's the team really as well. You got. But that's the thing. The worst thing about the last two weeks: rookie quarterbacks. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Rookie quarterbacks. That that's his second offensive coordinator this year. The Browns are in turmoil when Jackson was there. I mean, there was him and Todd Haley having rows, and he's trying to call the plays. Todd Haley trying to call him. You fire your head coach, your offensive coordinator. Throw a couple of geezers in. Could have gone horribly wrong, but they are improving. That's what I mean. Could have gone completely wrong, and they turned us right over. Yeah, on absolutely. the road. Do you and know it mean? was like their first road win for about three hundred yeah. years, apparently. Which I'd... is always the more embarrassing. I think it's like, why do people end yeah. their disastrous records against yeah, us? I know. Why we, is it? We're going to finish bottom of that division. I agree. I think. I, think we uh, I don't think we'll get a real I think winning record. I, at the moment, I think we're the worst team in the division. Yeah, and you know things might change. AJ might be quite talismanic, and people might yeah. gather around. But it's you know poor old Jeff Driscoll. It's you know it's unfair to expect him to win. Yeah, you know games against the like of the Chargers coming up and the Steelers yeah. and all the rest of it. You the, know. the irony is, and I know no one listening to this will believe this at all, and I don't. But the irony is, is you <laughs> can still make the playoffs. Weirdly, yes, you, you could if, win out five, even if you went four and one. And you got to nine and seven. There's you'd, a chance. You'd have a there chance. is a I mean, weird chance. No, but there's no way. No, but, but there's a. There's the irony a, is, it's not. We're not three and. No, eight, we're five you know and six. I mean? So yeah. we're not. It kind of again mirrors last year. We're playing yeah. horribly, but we're somehow. We're still in it, Paul. Aren't we? We're come on, the Bengals, eh? On, let's on. have this at the weekend. Okay, well, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's have Denver at the weekend, and then we'll come back to this podcast next. Well, yeah, week. let's have those. A little bit excited, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, unfortunately, they beat the Steelers. That's um, all right, we'll take them. They're Jeff, not that good. Jeff Driscoll's going to tear them up, and we're going to be sat here next week, and none of us are going to want to say it. We're going to be like, we're a bit of a run here. And then the week, <laughs> the the week after back, that, we go we beat into the, the Chargers in a in nail upset, biter. AJ Green with twenty seconds left over the middle, ridiculous one handed catch it. to win. Keep it going, and then me and you go in here like, God, everyone's raving about the Bengals and you know Jeff Driscoll's and new Drew Brees. Everything's yeah. going on. Yeah. Week after that, we got the Raiders. We get turned over by the Raiders. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> that would be the <laughs> most typical Bengals thing <laughs> in <laughs> the world to do. Um, well, you know, we've got to stay positive. We are Bengals through and through. I would urge everyone to remain Bengals through and through because it's a, just a bit of a laugh, really, isn't it? Well, that's when people are getting like, oh, I'm never following this team again until Marvin Lewis is gone. It's oh, come on, just chill out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I know I, it hurts. Do you know what and I, mean? I know we're passionate, yeah, but it doesn't mean that we're not passionate. Yeah. But it's like, have a little bit of perspective. You I know? like the fact that we do this podcast about a day or two after the game because it gives you a chance to reflect and take Oh, if we did this podcast like oh, if we did an hour afterwards, night, one of our right, instant reactions. I'd have been podcast. spitting blood in this mic. It would have just been beeps all the way through. Blood in my mic. <laughs> blood in your mic. I'd have been spitting it into the mic. I'd have been fuming, you mate. Dirty, filthy. I was, sod. mate. I was fuming after that game. <laughs> anyway, right. We're having a laugh. We are. We're trying to be positive. Uh, I reckon things might go downhill from here a little bit uh, because we're going to bring in our this week's special guest. Indeed, our special guest this week making his second appearance on Cincinnati. Is ESPN 1530s uh, James Rapine. Of course, James also hosts the brilliant Locked On Bengals podcast. 
Um, and you can follow him on Twitter at James Rapine. James, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. How you doing? Uh, we're good. We're in a slightly strange mood today. I think if you'd have spoken to us an hour or so after the Browns game, the we wouldn't we wouldn't be quite as convivial. I think. Yeah, that's that's right. I, it's been a, a heck of a honestly, it's been a heck of a six weeks if you're a Bengals fan because they they started four and one and it felt like uh, this season was uh, about to be a really promising and exciting one, and instead. It's been uh, about as bad of a month and a half as you could have. Yes, and we've just been debating as to why that has happened. I'm trying to be Mr. Devil's Advocate here and say, I'm saying like 80% of this is because of injuries. Because no team in the NFL can survive the amount of injuries that the Bengals have had this year. And 20%, Mm -hmm. I think, is you know coaching and I have made the argument that Marvin's time is now I think you know he should have gone at the end of last season frankly but he hasn't um where do you, and Nathan was kind of arguing the toss a little bit with me where do you stand on this because obviously when embarrassing defeats not just defeats but defeats where we haven't competed uh where mm-hmm. we've been completely blown out of the water that makes people very very angry as sports fans I think all we ask is for our teams to compete, right? They want to be seeing, not commitment, but but good play from our team. And you know what? If the other team is better than us, fair enough. But we haven't been seeing that recently. So what's your take on why this meltdown has happened? Yeah, I think it's coaching. I mean, coaching is the the thing that, that stands out to me most. I mean, you, you look at it, and Marvin Lewis has been here since I was 11 years old. <laughs> when, you, when you put it in that perspective, it, it's crazy. He was hired in January 2003. He's still here. And yes, he's been to the playoffs seven times and he's won four division championships. Uh, obviously no playoff wins. But this was the year where he kind of had that conversation back in January with Mike Brown saying, all right, well, if you let me call the shot, if you let me make the, the decisions uh, as far as coordinators go, hire my guys, and, and we do the the necessary things in the off season, he basically convinced Mike to keep him and said that things would be different. And through five weeks, it felt like it was different, right? I mean, right, it, right. it appeared that way to me. I mean, they're four and one. They had a really good off season, I thought, and they set themselves up to have success. And unfortunately, it's been derailed. And yes, injuries are certainly a factor. Injuries are something we should certainly talk about and should be mentioned. That being said, injuries weren't the reason why they were down 14 nothing and look lifeless against the Cleveland Browns team that, I get it, it's promising and they have some good young players. It's still the Browns. <laughs> you know, they right, haven't won right. a game. Uh, they didn't win a game last year. They have a rookie quarterback. Last week you go up against a rookie making his first NFL start and you can't stop him knowing that he's going to run the ball. So I think a lot of this is coaching. Now, are injuries a factor? Absolutely. But, uh, Paul, I would flip it. I would say 80% coaching, right, 20% wow. uh, 20% injuries. So you touched on it there, and we've mentioned it seems that every... Don't you think the Bengals are such a difficult team to quantify and to get to grips with? Because mentioned, we mentioned it earlier that they're never truly awful, but they're never truly amazing. They always hover in the middle somewhere. Um, so it's difficult to really, you know, get a handle on this team. But in recent games, to me, they've been 
completely outcoached um, on both sides of the ball. Um, and also, we have, we've come out in these big games against the Saints, which was live on our TV here, uh, against the Chiefs, which was prime time in, with you guys. We came out completely flat, and there is repeatable re- behaviour. There are patterns that have been repeated in the Marvin, Marvin Lewis era. That, that's what I think. Um, it doesn't matter what he changes around him, but those kind of patterns of behaviour always seem to kind of prevail. Um, what's your take on that, and do you do you agree with that for a start? I do. I, I think, look, at some point, it has to fall on Marvin. You know, Terrell Austin gets fired a couple of weeks ago. Marvin says we can still salvage the season. And then he goes out and he loses the two rookie quarterbacks. He goes out and loses to Lamar Jackson when he knew, I mean, the whole world knew that Lamar Jackson would try to run the ball in his first NFL start. Mm. And they couldn't stop it. Uh, they, they knew that Baker Mayfield, what was he going to do? He was going to try to throw it. He was going to move around in the pocket. And he did so effectively. So Marvin's defense certainly hasn't been up to par since he's taken cover for Terrell Austin. But you're right, those themes have continued throughout his, his tenure here. And, and it, it's certainly been a long tenure. And you just look, and they've always been pretty good. But outside of 2015, they've never really been great. Now, fans will say, oh, well, what about 2005? Yes, 2005 was a, a really good year. I don't consider that team a Super Bowl team based on the defense when you think back to that year. So... Uh, to me, Marvin Lewis, honestly, he's perfect for what the Bengals want to be. They want to be competitive. Mike Brown does want to compete. I think he does want to win. But he, he's been afraid to roll the dice or take a risk with another coach. He's been afraid to take a risk with another quarterback like Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis are safe. It's what they know, and it's what he knows. And that's why I think that the Bengals – they, heck, they might go 8-8 eight and eight this year. I could totally see Jeff Driscoll being competent enough to, to go 3-2 and two here down the stretch. And then you just wonder if 8-8 eight eight will be good enough with all the injuries to bring back Marvin again next season, which uh, I think a lot of fans would cringe if that was the case. James, you touched on my question briefly just then. I mean, if you look at this season starting out, the Bengals go 4-1. and one. Um, like you said earlier, they look, you know, look like things have changed. People were very excited about the team, and then really in the last, um, you know, the last few games, it's really been a tale like of two halves with it completely um, capitulating. Looking at the last few games, you know, th- there is still a glimmer of hope, I guess, even if it's sort of a one percent, five percent type job. How do you see the team after these two sort of, you know, pretty catastrophic losses responding? Do you think they're going to, you know, completely fold and go sort of 1-4, and 0-5? Oh or do you think that there will be any sort of, you know, reminiscences of last season where we, you know, were quite strong down the stretch and won a few games at the end? Or how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I can certainly see them making a push here and winning a couple of games and potentially at least saving Marvin's job again, being just good enough to bring him back. I mean, you ha- you play at Cleveland in December. I still think that's a winnable game, even though it didn't look winnable the other day. Um, you have Oakland at home. I still think that's probably a win without Andy Dalton. Denver, that's much tougher now. I mean, they beat Pittsburgh. And even though they're going to be um, on the road here in Cincinnati on Sunday, I- I'm not sure if uh, – if that isn't a wonderful game either with Jeff Driscoll, the Broncos certainly savored 
which it doesn't bode well. But at the same time, I can see them making a push to be good enough. I think that's a good theme for Marvin Lewis. It is through his tenure, I think he's five games over 500. I might be a game or two off uh, over the past 15 and a half years. But it's been good enough. In uh, my argument against that was, yeah, he had been good enough through 2015. And, and after that collapse on January 9th in the playoffs to the Steelers, since then they're 18-24-1. And that just that isn't good enough. So even a couple of wins here, I would move on from Marvin. Uh, but but you, you think, you look back to last year, and Marvin found a way to get his, his guys playing hard down the stretch, and they certainly had to play for their job, not knowing who the next coach was going to be. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a um, a pathway, I'll say, a path to 8-8 eight and eight or so. I, I said this team would be 9-7 and seven going in. Injuries have had uh, certainly a, a role in that. I don't think they'll get there this year, especially after the loss to Cleveland. But uh, can they still be competitive? I think so. But as a Bengals fan, I wonder almost if you want them to have success over the next five games, or do you want them to fall on their face? One, because then that could be it for Marvin Lewis. Two, it'll give you a better draft pick in April. Yeah, I mean, looking, I mean, let's sort of look forward here a bit. I'm going to sort of, you know, cast my crystal ball into the future. If we're saying that Marvin Lewis, which I, I, be very very surprised regardless of how the season ends unless you know we win out or anything silly like that I'd be very surprised if he was head coach next year so let's pretend that he's not head coach they let him go at the end of the season um, they bring a new guy in if you're looking at it as the new head coach coming in what sort of players are you looking to sort of build around for next season are there any key players that you think you know are really definitely worth keeping and also are there players that you'd look to just get rid of and cut ties with at the end of the season to sort of give the team a real sort of fresh start going into next year if i was a coach the first thing i would do if i was the new head coach of the bengals is talk to number 18 because A.J. Green, if I'm A.J. Green, I'm probably done. <laughs> I, I would feel done. I, I would feel, uh, hey, I have one year left of my contract, trade me somewhere else, and, and get me out of here. So that's the first thing I would do if I was a new head coach. Uh, number two, and maybe even going in, is I would say, hey, we got to get rid of Vontaze Perfect. I don't want number 55 on my team. Uh, I think he's a distraction. Um, and and we got to stop spending money on these one-year contracts on linebackers that just, they haven't worked. you got to invest in the linebacker group. And the other thing is, and this is why, especially if it's Hugh Jackson, why I would be kind of upset with the Hugh hire, and I've defended Hugh during his time in Cleveland, but, but if Hugh Jackson is the one who succeeds Marvin Lewis, and I think that would easily be the favorite to do so, he had success with Andy Dalton. He also knows what it's like to not have a competent quarterback in the NFL. He did that in Cleveland. So I think he might hitch his wagon to Andy. And I don't want that. I want the Bengals to be open for the first time in forever to picking a quarterback early in the draft. I mean, you look over the past couple of years, they passed on Pat Mahomes. They passed on Deshaun Watson. And it wasn't that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of the John Ross pick because I think I've been one of the biggest John Ross defenders there is. But those two quarterbacks weren't even considered based on who I've talked to by the Bengals. And you look now, I would take either one of them over the next five years over Andy Dalton. Lamar Jackson this past year, I don't think the Bengals were serious about him. But if they had him right now, it'd be like, huh, Lamar, he could be the future. So 
I think the Bengals need to take a serious look, and if I was the next head coach, I would take a serious look at the quarterback position. Andy Dalton will have two years left on his contract following this season. So you could keep him around for a year and still play well while you groom that rookie um, and, and still play to – you know, to compete, to win a division or to make the playoffs, et cetera, with Andy. But the the Chiefs' blueprint is such a good one. And, and I said it well before Pat Mahomes had the success. Taking a risk and going out and trying to find an elite talent at quarterback, the most important position in sports, while you have a safe quarterback that you know what you're going to get, Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, to me, they're virtually the same guy. I think it was a genius move by the Chiefs and Andy Reid. You see you paying off this year. I wish the Bengals would have done it over the past couple of years, whether it was Mahomes, Watson, whether it was this year with uh, with Lamar Jackson. So that's something I think the next head coach, assuming, you know, if the Bengals do move on from Marvin Lewis, that the next head coach not only has to be open to, but needs to make a priority. He is James Rapine, at James Rapine. And James, um, we've just been casting our mind into the future there a little bit. And... Um, we wanted to get you on while we're talking about the future, actually, because the future is very different for you now, isn't it? Because you're moving on from uh, your Cincinnati-based job and you're actually moving to Cleveland to cover the Cavaliers and the Indians, right? That, that's right, yep. So I'm going to embark in uh, going up north to uh, cover the Cavaliers and the Indians uh, at 92.3 The Fan. Uh, so I'll be doing a lot more writing than I do now. I'll do plenty of podcasting as well. Uh, the good news is, uh, I'll continue the Locked on Bengals podcast through this year, um, and, and I'll still talk Bengals. This is my hometown team. I've lived in Cincinnati my entire life. So if uh, if any listeners out there have followed me or, or plan on asking me any Bengals questions or anything like that, I hope that continues because the last thing I want to do is not pay attention to the Bengals, not make fun of Marvin Lewis for being in town for the next 300 years. Uh, so I want to continue that as well. <laughs> well, we obviously wish you well, James. But just just the one final question, really. Um, yeah. What's been your most memorable moment, either watching the Bengals, since you've been a reporter for ESPN and Locked On, what's been your kind of favourite moment, uh, both as a fan Ooh. and as a reporter, would you say? A fan would be that 05 season, the specific moment. Um, maybe maybe the Detroit game when they, I believe they won 41-17 back in 2005. Mm. They, they clinched their first division championship that I could remember. <laughs> and, and it was just, for the first time in forever, it, it felt like, and really the first time in my life, it felt like the Bengals had a chance to win big. Maybe not that season, but in the future. Uh, so I would say as a fan of that moment, um, as far as the overall just covering the Bengals, um, I'll give you a couple. The Seattle game, the Seattle comeback back in 2015, mm. I think that was a very important moment. And then one actually happened this year, and I was there in Atlanta. That mm. was a game that I had marked as a loss to start this year because the, the way the Falcons play on the road, they're one of the better teams, especially that offense. In the way Andy Dalton and A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, who has just grown up so much this season, the, the way they responded and drove downfield and, and won that game, I really thought that this team, at that moment, I was like, okay, they're going to make a playoff run. And obviously they escaped next week and, and beat Miami and got to 4-1, and one, and it seemed very promising, like I said, and, and it hasn't gone the way 
I thought it would. But that Atlanta game, it was part of it might be the Mercedes Benz Dome. I mean, that Mercedes Benz Stadium is amazing. Right. And right. Uh, it was a lot of fun to, to be there. But yeah, certainly that one as well. And then uh, from a fan perspective, honestly, and it, it was while I was uh, covering the Bengals, but meeting Chad Johnson last year in person <laughs> and shaking his hand, and, and it's a guy I, I cheered for, you know, from mm. uh, 2002 when he got 2001, excuse me, when he got here um, through 2010, and uh, so it was it was cool meeting him too. So I think those are some moments that stand out. Well, they sound pretty priceless. Uh, but, James, thank you so much for spending the time. We wanted to get you on before you left to go to Cleveland. And uh, thank you so much, really, to tell you, uh, and, and you know, to thank you almost in person for all your, you know, amazing coverage. Uh, it makes such a difference to us fans in the UK when we listen to, to you on, on Locked On Bengals and listen to you on ESPN 1530. Uh, so thank you so much for all your coverage and hard work over the years. And also, thanks for being so supportive and friendly towards us here in the UK. Uh, you know, we couldn't have asked for a, a better person to, to kind of give that support, really. So, James, uh, we wish you the best, and we hope we can keep in touch and talk to you in the future. Absolutely. No, thank you guys so much for having me. I, I, I'd love to come on any time in the future. The, the, the exciting thing for me um, is now I get to kind of step away and be a, a full-on fan again. Which which is exciting, but it's also scary because I don't know if Marvin will still be the coach or not. Right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but but no, I'm I'm excited. So uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'll, I'll come on anytime you want, and uh, I'm always open to talking Bengals. Good man. Uh, I hope you and your family have a good Christmas and good luck with the move. And speak to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take Cheers, care. James. Thank you, man. Take care. Bye bye. So there we go. That was James Rapine at James Rapine. Uh, sorry, I'm nicking his catchphrase, what he usually says to Joe Goodbury on his <laughs> podcast. He is James Rapine at James Rapine. And, um, you know, he tried to be positive, but, you know, there's no getting around it. Sometimes mm. you just have to kind of... He didn't rant. He's very professional uh, and stuff like that. Um, uh, so thank you to James. And really, best of luck to him uh, when he moves up to Cleveland, covering the Cavaliers and the Indians. Um can I say one quick thing about that interview that I thought was a really interesting point? What? Is the point about AJ Green? Yeah, I, I, I think that's not really been mentioned, is it? No, I but think it's I an think, interesting point. I think people are almost <clears throat> not talking about it because they're absolutely terrified. He looked miserable as sin on the side as well. When you cut, I mean, obviously being injured, I guess that is how you would feel. But he did not look pleased, and he's such a big asset to this team. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't want to think about it. I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I would not be surprised. Yeah. I mean, he's had what well, he would have had like eight, nine, ten years here. So, and he's not got that. I mean, he's probably got four or five more at least. Yeah. But yeah. It, so why doesn't he go over to the Rams? Why doesn't he? he yeah. Frankly, you wouldn't blame him, but you wouldn't. You know, you'd, you'd kind of. It's tough, isn't it? You'd kind of, you know, kind of block the doors and. Lock him in a cupboard under the stairs, wouldn't you, really? Um, okay, so thanks to James again. Um, lots of interesting things there. And one of the interesting things, I think, was the quarterback situation. Um, yeah. Now, he's bemoaning the fact that we didn't take Patrick Mahomes and we didn't take a Lamar Jackson or a, a Jackson. Jackson? Jackson? Um, didn't take a uh, Deshaun Watson. Um but we still have Andy Dalton, and he's out, which is 
is it catastrophic? Yes, it is, I guess, in terms of playoff hopes. But I was actually, prior to that injury, I was ready to come on in and have a bit of a dig at him because I think he's been pretty poor the last couple of weeks. He's been really inconsistent. He look, And you want your... Even when the team around you is is so obviously lacking confidence, that's when your quarterback has to really step up and not carry the team, but get everything going. Yeah. Or And everyone going. I don't didn't see that from Don because he came out hot and cold as well. Yeah, inaccurate. He still he looks a little bit messy in the pocket, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> I I I just I I think he's got nothing around him. I I think Dalton's a really interesting debate. I'm I'm probably sixty percent on the fence of keeping him going into next season and long term, mm. but. I actually don't think that offensive line is any better than it was last year. To be brutally honest, I think he's taken. Well, less again, sacks. once you get Cordy Glenn out, then, yeah, and then Jake Fisher went down injured, yeah. then you've got Sed back, and then it's he was tr- shocking, he wasn't he? Was I mean, but you, I was looking at the Pro Football Focus grades of uh, the offensive line through this year. I think Clint Bowling had the highest one. It was still like sixty-four point nine, which is like backup sort of territory. And you've got you know your Bobby Hart's of the world, and to be actually what was I thought was quite interesting. Um, was Billy Price. He was the worst graded lineman this year. And I know he's a rookie and I know a lot of people, you know, you're not really, you don't want to be too harsh on a guy who's missed a few games. And you're not sure if he's still carrying a knock, but he's not impressed as you'd have liked. And that snap mm. takes Dalton out. Yeah, you know, no, You're talking right. about Dalton, you know, it's a consequence of that. You've not only, and that, that was in the game, we were saying, well, the Bengals might have a chance. That, you know, wayward snap takes your quarterback out for the year, ruins the chances in that game. And, you know, you've got to start looking at him a little bit, being a bit like, well, come on, Billy, you know. Like. No, I agree. But I just think the last couple of games, yeah, Dalton again has embodied our inconsistency. He's doing it with nothing, though, is he? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing shit at the minute and he's got nothing around him. True, but I still think, you know, you look at, he still had the same offensive line pretty much at the start of the season. Yeah. He's not making throws. He's not being as accurate as he was before. I think for him, though, throwing to Tyler Boyd at the moment, the last couple of games, Boyd's fantastic, but against their number one corner, he's struggling a bit. And then, you know, your number one tie in, C. Joe's army, he wouldn't start for many teams. No, I get it. I get it. And John Ross is so wildly inconsistent. It's a real shoestring for him at the moment. But I've just seen a couple of throws. Yeah, I don't A couple of moments where he's like, come on, man. You know, we need you, you, the quarterback, to really get this team going. And he hasn't. No, I agree. But again, there are mitigating circumstances, aren't they? Yeah. Right, uh, we need to do some shout outs. Um, Martin Greer. I haven't got his Twitter handle uh, in front of me, but I'm sure you can find him on the Twitter if you like. Uh, Martin Greer um, went to Cincinnati for the Saints game. God, these, all these Brits going over to the Saints and the Browns game. <laughs> Picked the wrong time to eat a go, the didn't they? Um, <clears throat> he bought us back some gifts. and uh, He's bought you back a couple of coolies. Is that what they're called? A couple of beer coolers, Star Wars ones as well, yeah. Bengal Star Wars well, ones. Well, these. And also, well. most importantly, a Mixon, <laughs> a, a print of Joe Mixon, because uh, hopefully that you can hang that just above Just your, above my bed. Yeah, so you can go onto that Mixon train every <laughs> single, that Mixon love train, every single night. Could look Joe square in the eyes. You can, every night. Mate, Joe out. Mixon. I'm Good still out, not Joe. on that train. For everyone wondering, I am not on that train at all. Okay. He was good on Sunday, though, I thought. Oh. Anyway, uh, we also want to give a shout-out to um, 
Ashley Tong, who went out there. Now, if anybody knows Ashley, he's uh, uh, he's been through a hell of a lot, more than any human deserves to go through. Uh, but fair play to him. After all his, his, his torrid last couple of three years, um, he uh, decided that he wanted to do something for himself and go over to Cincinnati to watch a game. Uh, so he went over and watched the Browns game. Mm-hmm. However, by all accounts, he's had a really good time. So uh, shout out to you, Ashley. Uh, shout out to uh, our very own Scott Gibb. And um, I spoke to Scott last night because he's on a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a, an epic odyssey across America. Bit of a bender. Well, yeah, basically a bender um, across uh, America. He started off in Cincinnati, where he and his chum Tony Bosch and his partner, and I met Tony at the Admiralty during the, mm. the, the the autumn of 2016. And Tony's a great guy, so shout out to Tony for looking after Scott. Um, uh, Scott went over with his partner Vicky, who we met, come along to to meetups before. Shout out to Vicky. Shout out to Vicky. Um, I hope you've all had a fantastic time, and in fact, I know they did. So let's play the chat that I did with Scott last night. Yo, right, one. So Scott, uh, you're where are you at the moment? You're not in Cincinnati now, right? I am in uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs Arena, waiting for the Boston Bruins game. So you've gone from Cincy, and, uh, you've gone from Cincy up to Toronto, right? Yeah. Amazing. This morning, uh, sure, nine minute hop. A nine, <laughs> perfect. So yesterday, obviously, um, it didn't go well on the field. But tell us about your experiences, because you had a bit of a day of it by the looks of it. Superb, yeah, awesome, um, Met up with a couple of guys from the Admiralty Bar, mm-hmm. a couple of safety locals that I'll be like engaging with a lot on like Twitter and uh, an FB. Mm-hmm. And um, met them up and went at the uh, Bengal Gym Steelgate. Superbly yeah. looked after food, beers. Uh, stuck my pen into uh, Scotland uh, on the on the on, 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 on like map for the visitors. Yeah, yeah. Sure, people on Twitter have seen that. Yeah. And uh, you met you met an ex-player by the looks of it. You put up a player of you and Jim Breach. What was going on there? Yeah, yeah, we all put four with Jim. And so <laughs> right before that, I, I was swinging a golf club. There was, um, there was, like, there was like a mini golf with like 10, um, 10 plastic pigskins around. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I actually almost hit him. Right. <laughs> so like a sponge pigskin. Right. So he was like, he's all good, he came over, he did actually mention, thanks again for reminding me about the game. But glad to, <laughs> glad to meet an international fan, glad to follow somebody, all good, nice guy. Amazing. So if anybody who hasn't been to Paul Brown Stadium, what is, you mentioned Big Jim's uh, tailgate, Jim Foster's tailgate. Um Tell us a little bit about what happens uh, in the tailgate. What kind of time did you start off during the, in the morning? Uh, what kind of stuff goes on there? Just tell us a little bit about that. Because first of all, I um, I ended up to a really small restaurant. It's called the, Bel- the Belgian Waffle House. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had some nice chicken waffles there, a couple of mimosas. That's that's maybe actually upper class uh, beginning to a normal tailgate bar. <laughs> so I just love American food and American breakfast. So did that. Uh, I grabbed a couple of grabbed a couple of six packs. 
by uh, Beard's choice was Ryan Guy's Cheetah. Nice. Uh, lovely local drop. Slipped down beautifully. Hugging along, long and gyms. Hello, Walker. Hello, Walker on first. Ourselves on the gym. Spectacular. Like, it like tunes, tunes blasting out. So much fun. There was a television, there was a television crew there. Had to work on bangle bombs. It's just great fun. Just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just like an absolute community spirit as well. Just so good. Yeah, yeah. Even like Brown Sands, you know. I wouldn't be shaking her hands anymore, but like <laughs> Not after they, they were okay, they were okay pre they were okay pre game. I mean they just seen their team lose um twenty five in a row in a row. Yeah. So they were obviously gonna start being a bit cheeky, but they were they were getting a bit cheeky near the end. I bet they were, yeah. So what about the game? What was it like inside the stadium? Was it obviously it was a disastrous first half, but were there lots of booze? What was, what was the what was the what was the atmosphere like in that first half? Must have been awful. Really, like um obviously I arrived and it was like just like bumping it's like pumped, like just just I was so like pumped up, like mm. so just so ready for my second my second trip and I was slightly I was slightly higher up this time. Right. Uh, cheaper seats, but I'm like, but a far better view. Like, awesome. Yeah. So, so ready for it. I mean, literally, the like, um, Callaway touchdown, the Chubb touchdown were just like, I feel like a pin had just like popped, <laughs> popped the atmosphere. It was like people, I don't think, there was a bunch of people who didn't go back to their seats at half time. Wow. Also, kind of cool, you know, you gotta like, you gotta sit it through. Well, yeah, just, just like, Finally, it's like heartbreaking. It was like almost at half time. I was like, I don't think this comeback's on. Right. I'm not going to see us win again. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the second half, Driscoll came in, and then suddenly the comeback was on. Did the atmosphere get a bit of energy? Got a bit better in a lot the of stadium? energy from Driscoll. Yeah, I mean a lot of energy from Driscoll. He kind of. He kind of revitalized, well, actually rejuvenated some of the atmosphere as well, but yeah. kind of like deep down, you're like, like Dawn's not cold as ice. And I don't know, just like, you know, it was like, it was great to jump around and celebrate our touchdowns, but you're just like, it still felt flat. Yeah, I yeah. saw these Browns around us as well. I'm like, oh my God, this yeah. is just like, we're on to the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're, so you're up in Toronto seeing some hockey and then you're going, but when do you go back to Cincy? I'll be going back to, I'll be going back to Cincy tomorrow night. Oh, wow. Um, gonna take a, gonna take a helicopter ride around downtown. Wow. Um, we're going to a Cincy Cyclone hockey game. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? Uh, Xavier basketball. Uh, men's college basketball game Saturday. Right, wow. Well, mate, thank you for coming. Thanks for... Well, you just sound as though you're having an amazing trip, so uh, hopefully they can get a win for you on Sunday, right? Absolutely. I mean, like... I want to come back across the farm with a 1-4-1 record. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I cannot... I just... You don't want to just come back with, like, 0-5-1. Can you imagine that? Oh, you know, like that. My my Carl out there, and <laughs> um, he he's got one one one. Right. I'm not yeah. sure how good Jamie Rose's um, record is. Wow. Like any, you probably still hear me now, but it's not 
Okay, mate. Well, we'll leave it there. But enjoy the game, mate, and uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your time in Cincinnati. Yeah. Alrighty. Alright, have fun, mate. Tuesday! Everybody in the Bay UK! Tuesday! Tuesday to you, mate. See you next week! Cheers, Scott. Bye now. So there we go, that was Scott at a hockey game. <laughs> getting louder and louder as the kind of game was due to, as you know, the game was getting nearer to the start point. But uh isn't it great? You know, things are going bad, but we're still Bengals fans, we still will be. A lot of commitment from these lads as well, you know, and that's what I think that's why I think a lot of the fans are a bit frustrated, you know. You put in, you got fans like you know these boys in the UK that are flying out there, paying a lot of money to do it, having a good trip, and you want to see the team repay your faith with that. You know yeah. what I mean? You want to see them put a good product on a field. Absolutely right. Let's go to some Twitter correspondences, and unfortunately, that last sort of semi-large pocket of of, of positivity is about to go down the drain. And uh, with these correspondences, Mark Robinson at Robo Macca. Yeah, to be fair, as much as I like to moan about Mike Brown and Marvin Lewis, I love this team deeply. <laughs> I have done since Nicky Thorne. Uh, was it Nicky Thorne or Nicky Horn? I think it was Nicky Horn. No, maybe. Anyway, he we'll leave it at Nicky Thorne. And Bonnie Tyler introduced me way back. He's referring to the Channel Four program of the early to mid nineteen eighties. I honestly can't remember a season where we've had so many big injuries with big players. Roll on draft day. That's very positive, Mark. I like that. that. He'll take that. He loves the team deeply. I love you deeply. Mate, I like I like to hear that though. Yeah, yeah. A bit absolutely. of passion on the pod, you know absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Bit of love. Absolutely. Um Duncan Yeadon, at what point do the ownership ownership say enough is enough? Thank Marvin for his efforts and move on. Also hear that the Driscoll train will be shortly arriving. All aboard, even you, Nathan? I, I thought Driscoll looked quite impressive, and I, yeah. you know, I was doing my homework on Driscoll today. Sixth round pick, he played at Florida, then went to Louisiana Tech, I think it was. He, he's got some pedigrees, a big geezer as well. He's like six Good five, six well. six or something. Solid geezer. The only thing I thought was that did you see that first throw he made that should have been picked? It would have gone for six. It was, yeah. a, it was an awful throw. I think that's his problem, isn't it? It's going to be a bit of inconsistency. Yeah. It's going to be wrong decision making. Uh, but you know we're behind him Go if on, he Jeff. comes out as a good backup then that's, that's a win yeah. for us do you know what I mean because we didn't really know what we had no with. exactly exactly. Um, Duncan also said also a shout out to all the Lancastrians wishing them a happy Lancashire day I don't know what that is but yes happy <laughs> Lancashire day to all Lancastrians um, Hooday at Flix King hello Flixie solid handle N- nothing against Driscoll but we are doomed alright let's count okay <laughs> <laughs> Our coaching staff is not good at developing players. Look at Burkhead. Good old Rex. Uh, I've true. got another funny story to do. tell you about me as well. We had no place for him, but Patriots found a place. The end zone. Mm. Uh, Tom McDowell at Wagat Dub DD. One of the issues coming into the season was, was that we didn't seem to have an identity. Do we have one now? I can't think of what it is we aim to do, and he's absolutely right. No, it's a good question. Not, not, there is none, is there? It's no, there's no running game that we've you know got in. There's no, it's not a high flying passing attack. It's not really a West Coast it's offense. It's neither one or t'other. No, I think, I think they tried with the defense to be extremely aggressive and you know potentially willing to give up a few yards and a few plays, but get the turnovers and do stuff like that. But it just never panned out. Nope, I agree. Um, Richard Dixon at Lord Rixendale. Solid handle. That is extremely solid. Beyond solid, I'd say. Uh, 
Since nobody else will tweet you positive stuff, I will. Tyler Boyd is still great. Mixon ran well. Billings had a nice game. That's a fair, fair point, actually. He had a much better game. Also, Driscoll looked like a decent backup, moving the ball confidently. Very true. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, this is directed at James Rapine. Uh, all at you can call me all. What an ignominious end for James covering Cincy football. Injuries cannot be an excuse for this absolute embarrassment of a month. They are more a symptom than the underlying Mike and Marvin cause. Uh, the awful Greg Williams has potentially a better staff around him than ours. Yeah, you could argue that. Savage. Savage. Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. Gutted about Andy. He has done really well in the past few years behind a poor O-line. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Hope to see him back strong next year. Uh, that's a nice tweet. I'd take, I'd, I think that's a good point. As for the Browns game, incredibly <laughs> frustrating and a bit of an embarrassment. Playoffs all but over for us. We must now play for pride. Yeah. Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688. Frustrated and angry. Defence seems to be tired and lacking effort and leadership. Bullock, I am through with. O-line is not giving Mixon or Bernard a chance. Yes, we have a lot of injuries. Does this highlight we don't have enough talent in depth? Yes, mm. basically. It's and like also, we're... the depth that we do have at running back, Geo had one fantastic 10-yard yeah, run yeah, yeah. where he basically carried pretty much the entire Cleveland defence on his back. Why are we not using Geo uh, that much? I think I do think that one, my one criticism of Joe Mixon is he goes down a bit one. easy. Well, <laughs> one of but, several. But Giovanni Bernard in that huddle, when, when that was moving, I was like, Jesus Christ, that fair play to Mixon. That's it, he's done well there. And then I realised it was Geo. I, I, I agree with you. I don't know why we're not giving some more carries to Geo. You know, like get, get him involved. He's still got some talent, that geezer. Yes, I agree. We all like Geo. Uh, Jamie at Trequite Bista. Not only is external scouting a bugbear, the fourth quarter Sunday suggests internal scouting is. Why was Auden Tate sixth or seventh choice all this time? Happened with Burkhead too. Maybe happening with Fedulum and Jefferson. I, I don't know. It's different. I mean. I, Auden Tate is not going to be a starting wide receiver, I don't think, but he's no. he's going to be a handy number three or a four, probably a four mm. in in certain situations. I think um, he's got great hands and he's got great height and weight. But my my yeah. worry is he's never going to challenge much more than maybe a couple of fade routes and you know maybe just I don't know. I, he's never going to get great separation. I think Again, he's got to be used properly. I yeah. Think. Um, but James makes a good point. You well, know. He's offered you more to me than Core and Malone have offered. But I just just going back to that. Actually, this year Marvin has thrown in more rookies than usual and yeah, younger true, players, and true. I think that should be built in the inconsistency that rookies have. Yeah, true. That should be built into why we're not. That's kind a of fair going point. For it, you know. Um, Right, the ugly game, ugly game. Hello, Martin. The AJ injury is just one of those things, but the Bengals' complacency over Dalton is unforgivable. This year, we were the only team in the AFC North not to make a serious effort to get our future QB on our roster. Two of the other three are already playing theirs. Meanwhile, with our few genuine superstars looking at another wasted year in their short careers, we are left hoping Driscoll either wins or five or losses or loses all five, it's no way to run a team. I think we've discussed all that, but he is... Uh, I do agree with that. Um, Matt Moon, at Matt Moon. Hello, Matt, and thanks for your help on Sunday. 
Do you think Marvin will now accept that we need a better first choice linebacker in order to be competitive and use a high draft pick or two? Well, if he doesn't now, he never will, frankly. Oh, yeah. um, I think he would I think a hundred percent. Ben Wintle at Shaba underscore Dabba. Um <laughs> My main Solid worry handle. is now that AJ will ask for a transfer. Carson 2.0 star. And again, we just mentioned that. So Yeah, it's an interesting point. He's clearly getting fed up, and I can't really blame him. I'm starting to believe in Ross as he has made significant improvements. If someone offered a first and a third for Green, I reckon we should take it. Oh, tricky, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. Again, if he wants to go, I don't know. I, again, I'm not crossing that bridge. I'm not getting on that train. I'm That's probably what it'd door. be worth about a, set, a first and a third. I agree. But, you know, Mike Brown can do that. He doesn't play the game. He doesn't nah. wheel and deal. It's the sort of trade that you might make if you cleaned house and you just thought, like, a bit like John Gruden style, let's just take what we can get. But the thing is, Amari Cooper got a first. And Green's a lot better than Amari yeah, Cooper. Two firsts. I mean, Three firsts. <laughs> Green would have to be at least a first and a second. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Michael Fisher at Cosmic Sausage 77. Hello, Cosy Saucy. Um, I don't understand the Dalton rage. I'm not his biggest fan, and he's never going to be an elite QB, winning games single-handed. But but Dalton isn't the reason for our failure. Driscoll did okay, but against a passive D defending a big lead, which is what you completely said, agree, yeah. In a losing cause. For Driscoll, Reed McCarron in past years is nothing more than a backup. I don't think anybody was suggesting that he's going to be, you know, yeah. usurp Andy Dalton and become... The next court, but you know, he did show promise. Um, yeah, people, yeah, it goes on, it goes on a bit. Michael goes on to, to say a bit, um, about that. And I don't think anybody is arguing that, you know, I agree with the Dalton defense, though. I do agree with it. I, I don't like that narrative about like, oh, they could have taken Mahomes. That's all I've seen is, oh, well, you could have taken Patrick Mahomes. And Joe Reedy, the former Bengals beat writer, came out and said, he said, if the Bengals had taken Mahomes, he would have been caught up as a rookie with the whole Ken Zampezi sort of you know, all that transition through there. And th- he might not have been good for a while anyway. It's not a guarantee that, you know, a quarterback in a different system. I mean, if you look at what Mahomes is playing with now, with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt, it's a hell of a lot different to what he'd be doing with, you know, Cody Core, Alden Tate and Joe Mixon. So, I, I, I you know, I, as much as it's easy to sit there and say, oh, you could have had this player, you could have had that player, mm. there's also a lot of quarterbacks you could have had that'd be far worse than Dalton. I mean, if you look at, you know, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, I wouldn't be particularly happy with having hitched my wagon to any of them three in the top ten this year. So, I think it's a, it's a very difficult thing, a quarterback, and... You're only going to hit on a franchise quarterback, I'd say, 25 to 30% of the time when you invest a first-round pick in a quarterback. I don't even think Lamar Jackson's a franchise quarterback. I honestly don't think he is. No, he's so yet I to think, prove that. Yeah, and I mean, out of this... And I thought Baker Mayfield was fantastic on Sunday. Yeah, he looked good. And I think if you hitched your wagon to him, you'd be quite happy. But the other four guys, the jury's very much out. So I don't think it's as easy as just saying that you let's throw a first round pick because if you get it wrong, you could be in the shit for five years. Well, yeah, but you've got to take that risk though. You do, I agree. But what you've got a guy that... You'll never select anyone in the draft. Do you know what I mean? True. But I think with Dalton, you've got a player that when you build a team around him can perform at a high level and there's not just average quarterbacks like Dalton out there that you can just pick up well I, I thought he was having a fantastic season yeah. to begin with but he again was. Yeah, as yeah. soon as as soon as the, the team started to dip he dipped yeah and you you have to call him into you know he's 
call him out on that a little bit, I think. But then you look at Aaron Rodgers, though. Aaron Rodgers is having a really poor season. He's ruined by fantasy football, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and he is it's very similar. He's not, got a, he's not got a good running back. He's not got a particularly good offensive line. He's, he's, his wide receivers are not what they used to be, you know? No, no, and I agree. I think, I think that's the problem for the Bengals, especially the last couple of weeks when AJ Green's been out. You really are thin, and it's a poor offensive line. It might be worse. It might be just as bad as last year. And I think that you, for, to ask someone like Dalton with Uzama and you know Cody Cores and Alden Tates and you know a running game that's been both both of them been injured, mm. very difficult to say to him that we expect you to go out there and rally this team to you know three touchdowns, two hundred eighty yards. But I would counter that and come back to you again. He's making poor throws when you know wide open, making poor decisions. Missing yeah, one over no, I, he's not know. been perfect. Yeah, I agree. With you. I agree. You with you. Know, so. Um, I mean, we could go on, um, but we don't want to... I mean, we've had our rants, and uh, you guys have had your rants, and, uh, you know, all the rest of it. Um, and I'm a bit wary, because our, our numbers go... Our listening numbers go down when we've had a tremendous loss, and this has been a tremendous... God, that's a bit like Donald Trump then, didn't it? Uh, a really bad loss, yeah. you know, our numbers do go down. So... Uh, I hope this hasn't been too depressing for you. Um, I hope that uh, you no let one, us know. No one's listening, Paul. You might as well just I'm just, up, I'm just <laughs> chatting to myself, aren't I? In fact, you're probably just a hologram here, aren't you? Um, but yes, honestly, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for um, sending in your correspondence. I know it gets people really angry and wound up, but uh, we do appreciate them. And I guess that's the thing with the Bengals, isn't it? It's like you've got to take it with the rough and the smooth. And... Uh, and again, we're, we're, we're taking it rough at the moment. We certainly are, yeah. We are, yeah. Um, Paul, can I ask you one last thing before we sign off? Go on, then. I want to ask you the same question I asked James Rapine. What do you think about the end of this season? What are you 